and we're glad to include every one of you uh, with us. Our desire is to reach out with this gospel throughout the body of the Lord Jesus Christ around the world. And we're thankful for this particular medium that certainly helps us uh, and enables us in a uh, great measure to do just that. So you're welcome to our sessions and to this Wednesday night session. Now, what we've been talking about here is a tremendous reality of our union with the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Lord Jesus Christ with the Father. And that same union is the fellowship into which God, who is faithful to his covenant, he is faithful in all things, his name is faithful. This fellowship into which he hath called us, the fellowship of the Son. And what a tremendous fellowship that is, the foundation of which is our union with the Lord Jesus. So we've been talking about that, the reality of being in Christ. Now, it needs to be understood that in these particular sessions that we're having together, even when we were looking at the feasts of the Lord in Israel, and we went through every one of those feasts in a period of a couple of years, I think. But even in those sessions, and in these sessions that we're doing now, I'm not arguing the fact that no man can be saved but or except by the Lord Jesus Christ through his blood. Or that Jesus Christ is the only Savior and salvation given of God to mankind. That's, that's not our argument here because most who will be listening to me, uh, particularly in this Wednesday session, uh, already agree to that. And we're speaking to the Lord's body. And, but we want to continue not along that line that Jesus is Savior and Jesus is Lord, I'm speaking to the Lord's body about the nature and character of our salvation. And we've been dealing with the reality that Christ himself, and here's where we need 
to give ear. We've been dealing with the reality of not so much what we say he did or that he does, that too, but our view is not so much on what he hath done as it is dealing with the reality that Christ himself is the nature, the character, the spirit, and the person of our salvation. Hun, what I'm saying is that Our salvation is not something separate from Christ, something that he did and did well, but is separate from himself. Our salvation is the person himself. Now, coming from the Old Covenant, the Old Covenant, which we have throughout the Old Testament, you know that, Coming from the Old Covenant to the reality of the New Covenant, to the very substance of the New Covenant, coming from that one to the other, we, we leave things, things that spoke of Him, things, uh, uh, things that were set forth in the law, things that were commanded. Nothing bad and ugly and evil was commanded. All of it was in view of Christ. But it was in view, while it stated our salvation, we're looking now at the character and the nature of our salvation, and that's locked up in a person. That's fulfilled in a person. So we're not coming from things to things that you could do, things that you could see, things that you could uh, uh, obey. Uh, you, you know this throughout the Scripture. We've been talking about this for a long time. We talked about this with the feasts. All of these things, all of these gatherings that must be kept, all these sacrifices that must be offered, on and on and on and on and on we go. Well, we haven't come from that to just another salvation like that, but maybe it's just better in different ways. Now, we read in Hebrews we've come to a better sacrifice, but it doesn't mean a better as being one among many, like What's the best sacrifice? Is it a turtle dove or is it, uh, or is it a lamb? Is it a, a lamb or is it a, a bullock or an ox, oxen? See, that's not what we're talking about when we say better. When the Hebrews writer is talking about better, he is talking about the one and only sacrifice except of God. The one and only covenant given of God. Oh, Yes the one and only high priest given of God, not of the order of Aaron, and, and we can go on and on with that. All of this that is our salvation in plan, 
in plan and purpose and will of God established from before the foundation of the world. All of this that is in type and shadow and figure that is set forth in persons, in places, in things in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant. All of that, all of that comes to its end. And it comes to its end through the work of God in Christ. And the work of God in Christ centers and has as its center the cross of Christ. Not just an event called crucifixion. No, much, much more than just an event called crucifixion. He was definitely at an event crucified. But when that happened, the whole concept of the cross, the whole concept of the Christ, the whole concept of sacrifice, the whole concept was taken out of history and was fulfilled, established in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, gathering into itself His death. And that's so much more than just a death for something, even a death for me even a death for my sins. His death goes far beyond that. It gathers into itself everything of what is in Hebrews and other places called the first. The first. The first creation, the first man. The first tabernacle, the first temple the first part of the first temple, the first, the first curtain or veil, uh, on and on, the law being given, the first. He gathers all of that into himself and it becomes... it becomes a significant part of his death, the death that he died. But that's a, that is a measureless death. It's a measureless death. I'll tell you now, I don't comprehend all of that death even as it relates to me. But the more I see him, the more that comprehension comes alive in my heart and soul. It comes alive to this point. Salvation is not me living. No, it really isn't. It's Christ living in me. But oh my, tremendous, tremendous thing, tremendous plan, purpose of God, tremendous overthrow of the principalities and powers 
And I'm calling that now the spiritual principalities and powers. Gathering that into himself as well and making a complete and utter open show of it. And bringing it to its end. What did he actually take to the cross as his death? He took death itself. You've got to get a hold of this. He took death itself. Oh my. And then there's his burial in the cross. Where that great transition from one body to another body takes place. No, not at another day, not at another century, not at another 2,000 years. No, in one, in one, in, in the cross, in one act, death, burial. He, he was buried at the end of that day before the beginning of another one and they had to get in a big hurry to do it even, even as a testimony concerning the Sabbath. All this is gathered into his burial. That's right. And then, his resurrection. That like as Christ. Are we not, Brother Lumen, are we not made partakers of him in his resurrection? Oh yes, we're made partakers of him in his death. We're made partakers of him in his burial. But nonetheless, it's not a death that I conjured up. And I want to tell you something else, hon. It's not a death that sin conjured up either. No, it gathers all of that into itself and so much more. And his burial. His burial wasn't the grounds out from which came a resurrection of things. A resurrection of the old man, the old creation, the old tabernacle, the old temple. No. None of that came out from his burial, from his descending into the lower part of the earth. No, none of that came out from there. Only one did. Only one did. Only one could even go there. But he took all things with him that had fallen short of the glory of God. All things of the type and shadow. All things of the first order he took with him. They couldn't go there by themselves. Man couldn't go there by himself. It was appointed unto man wants to die. A death he could never get done. A death he could never die. Never could. Because it wasn't speaking of that kind of a death. But he was taken there. You and me. When one died, all died with him. Became dead with him. That hit me one time. I thought, my Lord God, I couldn't even die, let alone live. Not, not the death, not the life that God had in purpose, in mind, 
and fulfilled in his son. None of that could I do. But we become partakers of that with him in coming to him. What? No, you're not. Do you not understand? Have you, do you not? Oh, that word, when Paul says, when Paul mentions that in Romans, I think it is, chapter 6, what? Know ye not? See, that, it's like, do you have no understanding at all? That's how it kind of translates. What? Do, do you have no understanding at all? That as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. Yes, not only so, he goes on to say right there in one sentence, but we were buried by baptism with him, with him by baptism into his death. And then the whole thing changes. That like as Christ was raised up out from among the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, because he's talking to believers, he's talking to the church there. Even so, should we, yeah, we, we who have died with him, we who were buried with him, we who are now born again, we, those in whom this not simply resurrected one, but the resurrection himself and the life himself, we, we, even so we, should live in newness of life. And Paul says pretty much this same thing. It's not this elaborate in, in Galatians when he says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. Not I. Resurrection, Paul would say again and again, Certainly not in the words that I'm using, words better than I'm able to even conjure up, but nonetheless, he would teach and everything that he says bears it out. Resurrection is not me living again. No, not I. Not I. But Christ liveth in me. Now that's the focus of what I'm talking about today. Christ. Christ, our life, our life, even as and even as because he is our life, we are his body. One body. Why? Well, because there's only one seed that fell in the ground and died. And therefore there's only <laughs> there's only one body that is truly raised up in the resurrection, by the resurrection, 
to have the resurrection and life himself live in that body. There's only one body that's raised up, and it's his body. His spiritual body. The body that throughout the epistles of Paul, he declares the body that we are. The body that we are, having, having come from, and this relates to the burial, having come from the body of this death, to be by him the body of his life. Oh, this is not something yet to come, believer friend. If this body that I'm talking about, and I'm, I'm online here, the finished work is what I'm talking about. And the body is a great measure of the evidence of that. A great measure of the evidence of that. The body of His resurrection. That body that is raised up. What a glorious reality we have in Him. So it's not a body we're waiting on. No, not really. Well, now, Brother Loom and I read in Romans so-and-so and so-and-so. Well, you need to read it again. And you need to read it in the light, <laughs> in the light of His death, His burial, His resurrection. You need to read it in the light of who He is. Who He is. Because Paul is never declaring anything in any of his epistles other than that. He really isn't, no matter what he brings into it, no matter, just no matter, period. He is speaking of that. It is pretty well settled by most Bible scholars, even those of long ago, that Paul is the author of Hebrews. It sounds a lot like him. Uh, we're not going to argue about that. But throughout that epistle and throughout every other epistle, Paul speaks of our union with Christ. And Paul speaks to the church in the light of who they are and how, who they are, his body, and how, they are that body, Christ dwelling in them. And that life coming out from among the dead and that life being the resurrection of the dead that will hear his voice and receive them as their very life. So, like as Christ was raised up out from among the dead, even so, that's a big even so. Now that's in Romans 6. You, you can read it there. Romans 6, you don't have to go very far along about verse 4 or 5 before you Get that. It's just interesting to me 
Because in the whole chapter of Romans 6, and in every, it, it's amazing to look at. I don't know whether you've done that or not. Maybe you have. I've found myself doing it in the epistles of Paul particularly. He, just, he sets such an elaborate background and, and sets forth such an elaborate truth, such a great truth, uh, and a truth in which we are included. And then, and then, right in the middle of doing that, he raises up, as it were, the Lord Jesus Christ. He raises up, the, he puts the whole thing upon the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our being buried with him by baptism into death and, and uh, all of that that he speaks of there. And then the, the word is there that, because all of that, being baptized into his death, buried with him by baptism, that all of that is so that, so that, like as Christ was raised up out from among the dead. Not him and a whole bunch of others. Just one. Just one. Why? Because he's the finished work of God and in him everything God ever did purpose, ever did plan, ever did set forth in the pleasure of his will was not only known from the beginning in Christ, but is now come to its fulfillment, its substance, with regard to you and I, and all mankind, in Christ. In Christ. The cross not being a knee-jerk reaction on God's part to either sin, the Adamic creation, or the failure of the failure of first order Israel. No, not any of that. Failure of the law, not any of that was given of God. No. The cross is not a reaction on God's part to any of that, but a fulfillment on God's part to everything He determined before the foundation of the world. Everything. And it is by that cross, not the history of it, the person of it, that we have come to be found in Him. In Him. Blessed be the Lamb of the living God. So what we're doing here is in this session and in probably some to come is to just give some attention to what is called by, by most and by many a finished work. Sometimes I cringe when I hear their definition of a finished work, but the finished work. And in a moment, I'm going to read something to you. I may not get any more than that done. 
because my whole intention in this session is to show him to be, he himself to be, that finished, which means perfect, complete, full, those kind of words. They're all used with regard to the term finished throughout the Bible. And particularly here. Because Christ gathers up all of those things throughout the Bible and brings it into himself. In the new covenant reality. In our salvation, he, he gathers all of that up. The work of God. The work of God. Well, I can't get off on it right now anymore. I want to take it just kind of step by step. I get overwhelmed when I think of it. We have been dealing with the reality that Christ himself is the nature, the character, the spirit, the person of our salvation. Moreover, moreover, the point that we've been considering has been that, has been that the life and being of our soul that is acceptable to the Father, the life of our soul, the being of our soul that is acceptable to the Father is the indwelling Son of God Him. Self. Now, we've read that time and time again. John 14, verse 1 through 3. Read that carefully. There are Bible scholars who are published today who are still looking for what he told his disciples as it is recorded in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 1 through 3. And he is talking about the cross. He is talking about the preparing of himself as a place for them. As the door of the Father's house and the, actually the, the, the wholeness of the Father's house, the allness of the Father's house. What is he doing at the cross? He is preparing himself as the door and fullness of the place that I go to prepare for you. He's not been 2,000 years still trying to do that. He did it according to his own words to the Jews in three days. 
In three days, the destruction of the first and the raising up of the second. His own body. And before the cross, he is telling this to the disciples so that they will not feel as though they were abandoned totally. They had hard enough time in those few days. You know that. Peter had a tremendously difficult time. You know that. He's trying to prepare them for that by simply telling them, I'm going away, but I'm coming anew. And I will receive you unto myself. That's the place prepared. He has already told them, I am the door. Now, right here, where he's, where I'm reading or quoting to you, Receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you who will read that may eliminate the word there, the word that where I am, there you may be also. The word there is not found in any, uh, it's, it, it's not found in, 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 in any of the genuine manuscripts. And it, it has been placed there. It will be in italics in your Bible. And, and it just, it shouldn't even be in that sentence. It has nothing to do about a place called there. He isn't talking about a location, but a reality of union. A reality of relationship. A reality of salvation. And look what he says then right under that. When they question him about, about that place. And how, how, where is it? And so forth and so on. And he looked at him, he said, again, using the person of himself, I am. Now he'd already said, I'm the door of the father's house or the sheepfold or all of it, because it's all the same thing, the father's house. We dwell there in Christ over 200 and some odd times set forth in the New Testament most of the time in Paul's epistles. I am the way. You know that marked by that word the in the Greek. It distinguishes that way. It actually, and I, and I found that some word scholars will agree, I mean, you know, they agree with it, that that. That it is pointing to the person of the way. That the way is not uh, some kind of a teaching uh, or, or something other than the person who has just said, I am the way. But it becomes obvious that that's it as we go on with this little verse. I am the way. There isn't any other. Not something I'm going to point you down and say, you know, good luck, I'll see you at the other end. No, no, no. I am the way. The truth. The truth. Not, you know, if he had said, I am the sum total of everything that has ever been said that is true. 
Now, he may well be that, but the truth is greater than the sum total of all the words that have ever been spoken concerning him. Those words are only true because of the one of whom they were spoken. Now, he is the truth. The truth of what? The truth of truth. The truth of truth itself. That's him. And look next. The life. But the emphasis of that was for what? No man cometh. Man, that's like hitting a big wall. That's like, that's like walking up to the Red Sea when Israel or when Egypt is lined up behind you with the intention not of bringing you back. They're going to kill you right there on the spot. And there you are facing the Red Sea. No man cometh but by me. But by me. That's, that's a tremendous, that is such a tremendous, tremendous reading there. But by me. The word, uh, in a word search I found, according to the Greek scholars, that there the word by and in actually or I forget the words they use, but they are setting forth the same reality. Whether you read it by or in, it is speaking of the same thing. No man cometh. Where? Unto the Father. Unto the Father. You see, we think we come to the Father through the blood of Jesus, and one day we'll make it to the Father's house somewhere, sometime in the future. But that won't hold up in this simple little reading that we're looking at here. He's talking about their salvation. He's talking about a divine union into which He will bring them not in the distant future, but in His coming anew in the power of His own resurrection, which they do experience on the day of Pentecost. And He, if you'll notice, will come in another form, a form that they can see it sometimes, sometimes they can't. He appears in the midst sometimes, sometimes He comes in through a door. But He opens their eyes And so we find that his ascension is gathered up as part of that work of the cross as well. And his coming again in power, in spirit, in truth, and dwells in them, fulfilling the whole concept 
of what the Feast of Pentecost and the Day of Pentecost was all about from the time it was initiated of God right after the Passover. Oh, my darling. If we would quit looking afar off and look in the face of the one who now dwells in us, we would find that we are in the Father's house. We are in Christ, in the heavens. That we are in Christ, a new creation of God. That we are in Christ in whom dwelleth the new heaven and earth. Replacing the first, this one called the second. But not even really second as in numerical order, but second as to its nature, character, substance, because it is spiritual while the first is earthly. For the first man was not spiritual, but the second. The first man of the earth earthy, the second man, the Lord from heaven. See, the second man is not just a spiritual man. Moses, a better than a Moses. Well, the son is a better than the Moses, but the word better as we use it certainly doesn't even approach to the distinguishing of those two. And yet the one spoke of the greater, and now the greater has come. And the greater is Christ himself. And hun, we dwell in him. Now we're talking about the reality of being in Christ, but that means very little unless we come to a comprehension of the one who is the Christ, the one in whom we do dwell. So Jesus tells them that no man cometh to the Father but by or in. Actually, the word there is, it, it, I'm telling you the truth, you'll find, is within. Within. Isn't that something? By. Within. Ha! Within me. My Lord. Can you, can you hear that? Within me. Not along beside of me. Within me. See, see the, the, the reality of the second covenant is not like the first covenant given under the law because of disobedience, but nonetheless given under the law. And by the Spirit of the Lord it was said it's not going to be like that one that I took them by the hand and led them out. No, see, it's not coming along with. 
within me. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? No man cometh. This don't no, no this time you're not strung out, you know, following along behind. Now that's not it. Me taking them by the hand and all the things I did, which covenant they couldn't keep anyway. But the point is, the new covenant is nothing like that. The new realization given of God, and that's what a covenant is, or it embodies a realization that is given of God with regard to His relationship and their relationship. Whoever receives the covenant is with regard to the relationship of the one to the other. And the first one was of the flesh fleshly, and it was under the law which could make no man complete. But the second is Christ himself. He's the eternal word of it. Hun, my Lord Jesus, just listen to me. In the beginning was the word. That's the word, my word. That's Christ himself. John tells us that clearly. Was the word, the word with God. The word was God. Oh, hallelujah. The same in the beginning with God. Do, do you really think that the new covenant would be anything other than the word himself? Not words about him. Not words about him. Not figures of him. Not types and shadows relating to him. No. The living word. The Word Himself, the one He says, if you would hear Me, you would hear My Father. If you would hear Me, you would know My Father. I guess so. He is the Word of the Father. Many believe that the Father is, but hun, have you heard the Word of the Father? I think about that all the time when I see politicians. Oh, Lord. Oh, my Lord. Politicians. They all get out the Bible. They all get out the Christian side. They all talk about God. They do that like, you know, like they're talking about a big cloud floating around in the sky somewhere. God. Very seldom will you hear anybody say, The Lord Jesus Christ. Every now and then, but very seldom. Very seldom. The Jews believed in God. They rejected His Son, who was sent as God's covenant with them. And they rejected him. Now I'm not lambasting Jews or anybody else. The Jews, the Gentiles were totally heathen and worshiping idols and drinking, drinking their own blood. But I'm just saying, the Lord came as the Word. You don't have to get out of the first few sentences in the Gospel of John. So how could the Father speak by any other than the Word? I mean, we're not talking about words here, but the Word. And I'm telling you, the Word dwelleth in you. The Word of the New Covenant 
is the way, the truth, and the life, the door, the resurrection, himself. Himself. No wonder the good word of God, the great word of God, the, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, word of God, however, however you want to apply that to the gospel. No wonder the gospel, the gospel is that word spoken of God in you by his spirit. Not in words, but in the revealing of the word himself. Showing showing him not as one wearing a disguise, but the Greek word makes it showing himself, revealing him in his true nature and in his true identity. I'm telling you the truth. The Greek word means that, that is used, that is used in in Colossians 3 verse 4, when he who is our life shall appear. Two words really make up that, one being the apocalypsis and, and, and which means to uncover. The other is the something like pronounced the phaneru, which is like the demonstration of that which is discovered. One speaks of discover, the other speaks of the demonstration of being discovered. It is taking the veil off, uh, unveiling something that has always been there, reveal it, reveal it. It's been there, covered up, it's a secret, the veil is taken off, Christ revealed in you. But not only that, it has power with it. The word phanero is bound up with the word appear, and it means the shining forth. Well, Paul picks it up and says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, <laughs> yeah, shine forth right in the midst of darkness and right out of darkness, yes, hath shined in our hearts. And here is the revealing of that sun to give to give an understanding, to give a comprehension, to show us clearly, clearly in the eyes of our understanding, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Honey, it is Christ in you the very expectation of that which is already come. It's Christ himself. So what am I talking about? Well, I didn't get a long ways in this because I really intended to read John 17. So, well, we've got it to read later. The time is out for this session. But we're talking about the finished work. So we're not talking about concerning things because that's what oh, so many in Christianity, in the, in, in, in the religion of Christianity and in the secular church, they're arguing about things. They're arguing about the grace of God. Can you imagine? They are. They're arguing about resurrection. They're arguing about glory. They're, 
These are not things. These are all synonymous with, fulfilled in, have their substance, which is Christ. We have come to the person of the Son of God. We're not some kind of a, the body of a phantom, the body of the indwelling Son of God. Thank you much. We're through today. We'll continue. But this is my understanding, at least to, the, to whatever degree, of the finished work. Not nearly as much as thing, not nearly as much being things done as the doer of all things, Christ Himself. May the Lord bless you. You can contact us about the Bible conference in June. The dates are June 22nd through June the 26th. The sessions begin the morning of the 23rd, Tuesday morning, and go Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday all day. If you have questions concerning this conference, then please give us a call. Give us a call. Uh, our, 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 our website is still under uh, work on the end of the people uh, that, that are supposed to be handling that. Uh, the company that, that, that actually we have our website through that company. And because of the changes going on with them, we haven't been able to get our website back up because they haven't. And, uh, or we'd have all this information for you. And maybe, maybe in the next short period of time, we'll have it back where you can go to the website. But you can go to the telephone and you can call us here. You can email us here because you can find all of that uh, and uh, watching YouTube. So we're making these announcements and we'd love to see you here uh, as the Lord would direct you. So that's the announcement. Thank you so much for being with us. My thanks to all of you and my appreciation, abounding appreciation of you who help us, support us, and enable us to do this very outreach and others throughout the week, throughout the body of Christ, and around the world. Thank you so very much. I'd like to sit here and call names. There'd be a long list, and it would embarrass some. So thank you who have helped us do this thing. The Lord bless. Amen.
Well, thank you, Mr. Raven.